Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Okay, this is America's Heroes Group Roundtable. We are globally connected. Military Families Matter with partner, family caregiver, caregiver, Keisha L. Jackson. Today is Saturday, June the 3rd, 2023. And this June is, June is always LGBTQ month, Pride Month. So keep that in mind, folks. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm your co-host, Attorney Ernesto Borges of the law firm of Borges & Wu. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And media, our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And today, our partner is Keisha L. Jackson, a United States Air Force veteran and family giver. We have a panelist uh, who is Jasmine Rush, and she's a retired U.S. Navy veteran, a mother, author, coach, and a photographer, videographer. So today's discussion is going to be about President, President Biden's executive order, helping family caregivers, something very important. Uh, so let's uh, lead the conversation off here. Um, let's ask Jasmine. Now, what is a Navy aviation boatswain mate handler in crash and amp salvage? That's one of the questions I, I need to ask you. And uh, boatswain, it's pronounced boatswain, right? And not uh, boatswains. And tell us what that is. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, it's actually boatswain's mate. Um, can you hear me all right? Yes, we can. Okay, perfect. Um, so thank you so much for having me on the show first. Uh, thank you for um, coming. But aviation, uh, aviation boatswain's mate is a person who works on the flight deck of Crash and Salvage. Uh, they can also work uh, in the hangar bay and work with airplanes um, on the ship. Hmm. So uh, you, when you said when there's a crash, like on these on these aircraft carriers? Yes. So we are prepared to to, to um, be firefighters in case a crash happens. So oh. we do a lot of training in order to prepare for that. Oh, now, and how did you transition from that? And you were in the Navy, I guess, what four years or so? Yes, I was in the Navy for four years, mm-hmm. um, from 2000 to 2004, mm-hmm. uh, and then I left the Navy and uh, began my journey to where I am today. So how did that happen? You transitioned from being this Navy Navy aviation boatswain mate to becoming an author, a videographer, a photographer, a life coach, and helping people to find their voice. How did that happen, that transition there? Uh, There were a lot of small steps one at a time, but it really began with me reaching out to get help for myself and to find healing and health. Um, and that is what led me to small steps. I went to college at Liberty University, mm-hmm. and that helped me as well. Um, and my bachelor's is in business administration, and then my master's is in marriage and family, human services, marriage and family. Mm-hmm. Still at Liberty? I've already graduated from Liberty. Completed. No, I'm saying you got your master's at Liberty also? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, uh-huh. sir. Oh, okay. 
So tell me, what's life like being an author? You've written, uh, what have you written, uh, books or articles? Um, or have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've written one book. Uh, it's called Help Me Tell, Finding Your Voice After Trauma. Uh, it's a book for children to help them uh, find their voice, especially at the, after they have experienced some trauma, some traumatic event in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very short read. Uh, I've even heard from adults that, been impactful to them as well and so just trying to help people gain their voice that's that's my hope oh that, that's wonderful and you also uh, uh do some photography and videography and you coach uh, people. yes sir so, mm-hmm. yes sir oh, well fascinating um and uh let's see we're going to have keisha keisha you're going to uh you're are you there keisha yeah, I am, Ernesto. Hi, okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, so you have a few questions for Jasmine, I understand. Yes, I definitely yes. wanted to, um, I just wanted to mention that Jasmine, sometimes when I come and I'll bring people on the show, mm-hmm. uh, Jasmine is one of the type of people that I, uh, individuals that I bring on the show that I always have to say exhaust me. <laughs> because in addition to those things that you talked about, Jasmine, um, she loves to cook. Um, she's always, she's uh, she also volunteers a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, she was a family caregiver to her uncle who was in the uh, Vietnam War. So maybe um, during this conversation today, Jasmine will get a, a chance to share a little bit about that. And to just speak to how Jasmine exhausts me, I sent her a text one day at like seven uh, at ten o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and her response was she was taking a nap. She was getting ready to get up and start. <laughs> and so, but taking anyway, a nap Jasmine, at ten p.m. Yeah, Exactly. So okay. that just kind of sets the tone mm-hmm. for the person mm-hmm. that's uh, on the call today with us. I so, see. hey, Jazz. You two are related. Hey, Keisha, how are you? You two are related. Uh, you have you had a common uncle? No, no. Oh, oh that's no, just you had an uncle, uncle in Sam. Vietnam. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we ha- we have Uncle Sam as a. Uh, oh, our, I our see. Uncle Sam is our uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Okay. So, hey, Jazz, I wanted to jump right in and. Uh, before we talk about President Biden's executive order, I did want you to mention two things that I know that you are involved with. Uh, one is the uh, Wear Blue Run to Remember, and the other is uh, the Wo- a Wounded War- Warriors Project. Yeah, so Wear Blue Run to Remember is a great organization. It exists to remember the service and the sacrifice of the fallen um, and the Yellow Ribbon families, and they uh, host runs uh, weekly on Saturdays um, in various parts throughout our nation. Uh, and so it's a very good organization to get involved with if you, if you have never heard of them. Take time to look them up. And then the Wounded Warrior Project is an organization for our veterans um, post-9-11, uh, and they do amazing work here uh, throughout, throughout the nation with our veterans, helping them to recover. Uh, so I've participated in many of uh, both of these organizations' events, and they are great organizations to go be a part of. Oh, I think that's really, that's really great. I, I know I get a chance to see some of your posts on social media, so I, am, I salute you, too, for all of the work that you're doing um, with, those, with that volunteer, the volunteer work that you're doing. One of the things, another thing that you mentioned on your bio is that you work hard for our veterans during the day. So what does that entail? Oh, yeah. So thank you for asking. Um, So during the day, I work for the Veterans Benefits Administration and the Education Department. Uh, My my talk today won't be coming from uh, an authority in that space, but I'll 
I, I worked all day helping veterans to change their economic impact. Um, and so that's that's the work that I currently do. Right. Okay, so let's let's dive right in. Uh, talking about President Biden's executive order for caregivers and what can you tell us about it? What should we know about this? Um, I think uh, from the perspective of a caregiver, it is such an important executive order to have. Um, as I was caring for my uncle, it was so important that we had resources and tools available. Uh, there weren't as many as President Biden is um, challenging the, the departments um, to get together, but it is something that is needed for caregivers. Caregivers need support in so many ways. Some of them are not even compensated, um, not not in a, a meaningful way, and some of them taking on a loved one like an uncle, um, it, it requires a lot of work and a lot of drain on their mental health. So having President Biden's executive order is, is so critical for, for, for us all. Yeah, I know the, um, the executive order was only signed not even two months ago. And so a lot of times when things are being put in place, it's hard to kind of execute them right away. This was signed, I think, on uh, April the 18th. And uh, one of the, the reasons was this was to expand access to affordable, high-quality care and provide support for our uh, care workers and our family caregivers. I often say that there is a report that went out and said that there are over 53, I believe it's 53 million um, family caregivers that are out there and over 5.5 million veteran family caregivers that are caring for family members of those in the military, those active and, uh, and veterans. So this is definitely a great initiative and uh, a lot is being done to make this come together for uh, a lot of people. What else can you tell us about this? Yeah, it's a, it's a very comprehensive uh, set of executive actions that, in, that any president has ever taken to improve care for hardworking families while supporting caregivers, uh, care workers, and their family caregivers. So it's, it's, it's really important. Um, I yeah. think the impact that it's going to have uh, on our caregivers is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's, um, a part of this was it's helping um, dis uh, people with disabilities. You mentioned the family caregivers. It's also about uh, long-term care workers, uh, early education, and veteran and uh, aging advocates. So this has been a long time coming. I know there are a lot of uh, other organizations outside of the federal agencies that are a part of this, but are there any of the federal agencies that you can mention that are a part of this or doing work to support this executive order? Oh, yeah. So um, the, agency, the other agencies uh, are OPM and Department of Defense and Health and Human Services um, that are going to be supporting um, our our president's uh, mission um, to help family caregivers and our veterans um, and service members. So that's, that's going to be great. And the stuff that they're going to be doing in terms of care when it comes to low-income households for children under the age of five or dementia care, um, short-term help, and uh, family caregiving breaks, which are something that family caregivers definitely need. Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to add, I do a lot of um, volunteer my work, uh, volunteer work myself, and I know that uh, mentioned some of the other 
non-federal agencies, but organizations that are out there that are kind of teaming and partnering with this. One of them is the uh, National Alliance for Caregiving. I know they have the uh, Act on Raise campaign. And with their campaign, what they're doing is trying to keep visibility up for this national strategy. Uh, It includes respite care, and that is so important for family caregivers. I always talk about the importance of family caregivers getting rest. Even with the programs that they have for respite care, I know often family caregivers don't get an opportunity to um, provide respite, uh, to get respite. Is there anything in particular when you were caring for your uncle that you would like to share? Uh, yeah, so when I will say that the, the process for getting him set up for caregiving services, like for instance, in-home care, right? Um, we had to go through his primary care manager at the VA in DC and then get him set up for 16 hours per week. And then we had to contact the organization that would provide those services. Um, that was tough. It was tough um, because I work full time and then and also helping to kind of get him set up in a new space because my grandmother was his primary caretaker initially and she passed away. Um, and so he, he definitely needed assistance uh, and help. And sometimes that he doesn't have his own family. So being able to step in and help provide um, services for him and get into the VA and make sure he had what he needed it was uh, the, the things that I did and it weighed heavy to make sure that he was taken care of and still is being taken care of today uh, by the VA and the, the work that they do with the various partners that they have for caregivers. Yeah, I mentioned um, the National Alliance for Caregiving. There's also, there's so many um, other um, organizations that are out there. There is, um, that's, that's doing things. AARP, I know they uh, put out the CARE Act several years ago to help identify family members um, for hospitals to help identify family members when uh, patients are being processed into the hospital so that family, that caregiver can be a part of that whole process and also to notify that family member when uh, before they're being discharged and put a plan in place to help them and also offer um, assistance, have the hospital to provide assistance for, for, for training. There's um, another program is the um, Elizabeth Dole organization. Uh, Elizabeth Dole does a lot. She's also helping out with this executive order that uh, President Biden has. There's the uh, Care Across Generations, and they're helping to make sure that uh, Medicaid wasn't isn't cut. So these are just some of the uh, pro- some of the initiatives that are going on with the um, with President Biden's executive order. I know there's also I wanted to, yeah I definitely wanted to mention this uh, first former First Lady Rosalind Carter um, because she said something that's um, so so relevant to what's going on. First Lady Rosalind Carter said there are four kinds of people in the world, those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who need caregivers. And I thought about that relating to this executive order and helping about putting things in place at home because recently she's been diagnosed with dementia and uh, former President Jimmy Carter is at, is um, being, being receiving care for hospice at home. So those are just some of the things that ties into the uh, um, President Biden's executive order for family caregivers. 
I wanted to ask you, Jazz, a little bit about, um, do you see any challenges with the executive order? Um, yeah, I would say some of the challenges that exist, like we know nationwide, we have issues with uh, health care providers, right? Um, being properly trained, being properly uh, paid and, and cared for. And so it's important that if we're going to take care of the aging generation or anyone who's in need of care, that we have people who are properly trained up uh, and have the right skill set. Uh, and so I think that's one of the challenges that we face in implementing this executive order. Yeah, yeah. I also know reading in the USA Today that um, I didn't I didn't notice that military members are are deployed more frequently frequently today than during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and the DoD has more than uh, seventy six thousand children enrolled in the childcare programs, and so this executive order is going to help or within the DOD to be able to try to help find programs or maybe uh, grants to help our, not just our military children, but other children to be able to, or parents to be able to have um, affordable daycare. I also know that within the military, that is one of the biggest challenges to the military is finding, um, getting affordable uh, childcare for parents to deploy, whether it's a single parent or, you know, uh, a married, married couple. So what else can you tell us about the uh, executive order as it relates to um, mental health challenges for military children and veterans? Maybe it relates a little bit to the book that you've written. Oh, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, I think that people tend to not always give uh, sight to the fact that children experience so much mental um, trauma as a result of the trauma that's going on around them as well. Um, and so in my book, Help Me Tell, it just, it's a very small guide to help uh, provoke that that small change in conversation around finding a voice, finding their voice, and, and, then, and then speaking the truth, um, and then getting the right help. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to um, say that even though we are having so many different challenges that there's hope um, and, and that we, we can, as a, as a nation, if we catch this, we can get together and do well. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Is there uh, anything else you want to share with us today before we, um, like before we wrap up, whether it's about you, about the programs that you're involved in, your volunteer work, your book, anything else you want to share or about the executive order? Uh, so I uh, thank you again so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I will just share, like, if you would like to reach out to me and learn more about me, then uh, follow me on Instagram at jazzy.speak. Uh, my book is on my website, and which is jasminenicolerush.com, as well as on amazon.com, uh, and it's available in Kindle. Um, and I'm happy to have a conversation and, and deeper dialogue about anything that, that you would want to talk about. So. I thank you so much for your time today and the opportunity to speak to you all today about this most important topic. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jazz. Okay. 
Ladies, uh, Keisha L. Jackson uh, and Jasmine Rush, two veterans, uh, my fellow veterans. I'm a veteran also. And thanks for your service and thanks for everything that you're doing. It seems uh, so much needed. And thank God the president did uh, sign in and sign an executive order to help the family caregivers. Thank you for joining us on uh, America's Heroes Group and uh, hope to talk to you soon. So, folks, uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, just stay tuned. Don't change the station right here on America's Heroes Group. Thanks, ladies. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.